0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again today, and uh, I trust that you've been following this series we've been doing. We probably have done over uh, 12, I don't know, maybe 15 programs on the books of restoration from Ezra, Nehemiah, The last couple of weeks we've been talking about Haggai and Zachariah who were contemporaries with these men during this time of rebuilding of the temple. And what we really emphasized in the last couple of weeks is that this is a picture of the greater restoration of the true temple of God which is built out of lively stones and the restoration of a city of God which is the bride, the lamb's wife And uh, we showed you how that that city is not a place, it is a people. It is the bride, the lamb's wife. It's the new covenant, people of God. I don't have time to really go back and do a lot of review because I want to try to uh, get into the book of Zechariah and show you how he really starts to connect Zechariah especially, who is a prophet and a priest. During the days of Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, Joshua, the high priest, and all of these people are together in this rebuilding process. And he starts to, again, uh, he's speaking to the situation they're in about rebuilding, but he's seeing a greater fulfillment. And today I want to start in uh, the sixth chapter of Zechariah and try to go through a couple chapters and show you, it's really talking about Jesus and the greater fulfillment of the greater temple of God and the restoring of what God is really wanting to do in the earth right now. It goes on in in Zechariah chapter number 6, He sees a vision. I'm going to skip down to verse number nine. It says, and then this message from God came to me. Take up a collection from the exiles, Targeta, Helda, Tobiah, and Jedidiah. They've just arrived from Babylon. You'll find them at the home of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Collect silver and gold from them and fashion crowns. Place one on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and give him this message, a message from God of the angel armies. Be alert. We have a man here whose name is Branch. (laughs) Now we start to see something about Jesus here. We have a man here whose name is Branch. He'll grow up out of his place like a tender branch. This is the man who is called the tender branch. His name is Jesus. He will, this is a picture of Jesus. We have a man here whose name is Branch. He will branch out from here where he is and build the temple of God the man who is called the branch will really build the real temple of God. Yes, he's the one. He'll build the temple of God. Then he'll assume the role of royalty, take his place on the throne and rule a priest sitting on the throne, showing that king and priest can coexist in harmony. The other crown will be in the temple of God as a symbol of royalty under the custodial care and he names these guys. Now let me just tell you, he puts, he's talking about place one on the head of Joshua. It is not an accident even that Jesus, his his name, we, we call him Jesus, but it is the same Hebrew name Joshua, Yeshua. So this is a picture of a greater Yeshua receiving a crown, receiving a kingdom, and receiving his rightful place as the man whose name is called the branch. He will branch out from where he is and build the temple of God, and then the second crown will come upon the temple. He'll put the crown in the temple. That tells me that because He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there must be some kings. And because He's the Lord of lords, there must be some lords. There must be some people that are going to rule and reign with Him in the office of king priest. He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. It is the joining of the king priest office. Jesus fulfills this as the priest after the order of Melchizedek and then calls us into that same priesthood. I'm convinced that God was really purpose for Israel when He brought them out of Egypt to make them a kingdom of priests, but they forfeited that right and privilege for every one of them to have access to God as a nation of priests for a mediator system. And they said to Moses, you go to the mountain, you talk to him, we're afraid of him, whatever he says to you, we will do it. And God said, all right, if the people don't want to come up, then send Aaron and his sons. That covenant stayed in power until the New Testament. Remember, we've been talking about coming out of Babylon, and Babylon is religion. I showed you that in prior segments. But in the New Testament, Peter restores the priesthood of the believers when he says, you're a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. And we are called to show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the king priestly ministry of Melchizedek is to serve bread and wine. It's the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I showed you how Babylon in The Tale of Two Cities, and especially when I tied it with the Jerusalem in Galatians, the fourth chapter, and showed you that the Jerusalem, which now is the natural Jerusalem, was Hagar, Mount Sinai. It's the old covenant, and is in bondage with her children. I'm not trying to take you back into bondage, I'm trying to bring you into the freedom where Christ has made us free under this new king, and in this new temple that has a new crown on it. And it goes on to say that people will come from far away places to pitch in and rebuild the temple of God. They will confirm that God of the angel armies did in fact send, you, send me to you. All this follows as you have put your hands to a life of responsive obedience to the voice of your God. I believe that God is calling us back and he, to reconnect with the man whose name is called the branch. Chapter 7, God rebukes them and says you're interested in religion and I'm interested in people. And I think that's again let me, let me just jump down verse number uh, let me just pose uh, verse number 4 of this chapter, chapter 7, Zachariah said, God of the angel armies gave me this message for them, for all the people and for the priest. When you held days of fasting every 5th and 7th month, all these 7 years, were you doing it for me? And when you held feasts, was that for me? Hardly. You're interested in religion. I'm interested in people. Oh, that God would help us move from being interested in religion to being interested in people. Because we have certainly made religion the other woman, the Babylonian woman that is the harlot, and and that's why God so put this adulterous woman away, is because we we have not been interested in people. We've been interested in our traditions and in our religious games that we play. We play church so many times that God is calling us back to a a grace-based New Covenant ministry. Many of the things I've already said, I'm I'm not going to be able to review them. He said, there's nothing new to say on the subject. Don't you still have the message of the early prophets from the time when Jerusalem was still a thriving, bustling city, and outlying countryside? This was the message God gave Zechariah, and the message hasn't changed. Treat one another justly. Love your neighbors. Be compassionate with each other. Don't take advantage of widows and orphans. Visit the poor. Don't plot and scheme against one another. That's evil. I I don't think that's too difficult. I think that's a message that ought to be preached today. Treat one another justly. Stop fighting with each other among the church, among the nations, among the races, among our families. Stop the fighting. Treat one another justly. Love your neighbors. Be compassionate with each other. don't take advantage of widows and orphans and visit the poor. Don't plot the scheme against one another, that's evil. He's not even talking about a return to the law, he's just talking about talking about returning to what ought to be commonplace. that flows from the new temple of God that we are and the people of God that we are that's connected to this branch. But did your ancestors listen? No, they set their jaw in defiance, they shut their ears, they steel themselves against God's revelation in the spirit-filled sermons preached by earlier prophets by order of God of the angel armies. And God became angry, really angry, because He told them everything plainly, and they wouldn't listen to a word He said. So this is what God of the angel armies said to me. If they won't listen to me, I won't listen to them. I scattered them to the four winds. They ended up strangers, wherever they were. Their promised land became a vacant lot, weeds and tin cans and thistles, not a sign of life. They turned a dreamland into a wasteland. And then in the 8th chapter, they begin to talk about God being jealous for Zion. He says in chapter number 8, he said, uh, I am jealous, I am zealous for Zion. I care. I'm angry about Zion. I'm involved, says God. I've come back to Zion. I've moved back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's new name will be true city, the mountain of God, the angel of armies of the Mount of Holiness. Uh, there's so much I could go on down through here, but let me let me just... Let me just go on over, because I can't deal with every chapter. And then uh, the ninth chapter, let's go here again because this starts to really connect some things here to, uh, again, Jesus. In verse number nine it says, Shout and cheer, O daughter of Zion. Raise the roof, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming, a good king who makes all things right, a humble king riding on a donkey, a mere colt of a donkey. I've had it with war, no more chariots, Ephraim, no more war horses in Jerusalem, no more swords and spears, bows and arrows. He will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide. From the four winds to the seven seas, and you, because of my blood covenant with you, I release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home hope-filled prisoners. (laughs) I appreciate what it says in King King James. It says, come home, you prisoners of hope. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. This very day I'm declaring double bonus. Everything you lost, (laughs) return twice over. Judah is now my weapon, and bow, I'll pull setting Ephraim as an arrow to the string. I'll wake up your sons, O Zion, to counter your sons, O Greece. From now on, people are my swords." Then God will come into view, His arrows flashing like lightning. Master, God will blast His trumpet, set out in a whirlwind. God of the angel armories will protect them. All-out war, war to the ends, a war to end all wars. No holds barred. There God will save the day. He'll rescue them. They'll become like sheep, gentle and soft. Or like gemstones in a crown, catching all the colors of the sun, they'll shine, shimmer, glow, the young man robust, the young men, win, women lovely. He begins to step even, now remember this, he's talking to these people who are with Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah are prophets and contemporaries with them. And he begins to speak of a greater fulfillment than just this building. I hope you're following my thinking on this, because he says, behold, O daughter of Zion, behold, your king comes to you, meek and lowly, riding upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Now, Jesus fulfills this very scripture and quotes it on Palm Sunday. You would have thought the leaders of Jerusalem would have been realizing he is offering us a new covenant. Behold, your king comes to you. I mean, I don't know much about it. They they knew the prophets, but they are hard-headed just like he said. But he's coming to offer them, not a war horse, but he's coming to offer them a meek, lowly king coming on a donkey, a mere colt, a donkey. And they begin to cry out, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they begin to lay their garments and their palm branches in front of them. The palm branches was a symbol of, of, of many things, I won't even get into that because I don't have time to unpack that, but, but the reality of it is, is that he said, and you because of my blood covenant I will release you from your prisoners, from your hopeless cells." God has brought us a blood covenant. A covenant of blood in the new covenant is my blood of the new covenant, Jesus said. And because of the blood covenant and that covenant i become a prisoner of hope. I'll release you from your prisoners and from their fearless, and from your hopeless cells. There are people watching me today that are feeling discouraged and downtrodden and disheartened in this season, even a pandemic. But I'm going to tell you to remember the covenant. Remember the name of the man who was called the branch, that he made a blood covenant with you, and you need to become a prisoner of hope. I believe there's some fresh hope that God is breathing on His people because God, what I'm telling you and preaching to you is I believe God is restoring His temple, His city, His people, His covenant, His blood. And He's deco- the blood still has something to say. If the blood on the doorpost of the house could rebuke a death angel in Egypt, I'm telling you the blood of Jesus on the doorpost of our hearts. I am excited to announce the release of my newest book titled, The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. Every time he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the old covenant. For instance, they thought that the bread that fell in the wilderness was the true bread, but Jesus says to them, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead, but I am the true bread. They thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. As you read the pages of this book, you will truly discover the faith that replaces fear and that believing you will have life through His name. You will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. You will rediscover that He is the Great I Am. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today can rebuke a pandemic, it can rebuke, it can make us a prisoner of hope, and you can see God say, come on, prisoners of hope, get filled with hope. I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost is going to be returned to you back twice again. I am believing for a return even to many of the churches, we've lost great finances, and people have lost businesses, and we've been in a season of drought, but I believe as we return and build, God is going to begin to return and build us. I believe the rain is going to come. Ask of me rain, he said, in the time of light of rain, because I believe the rain of God is going to come. If you go back and listen to one of my prior segments, you see that every time there was a pandemic, it was always followed by a great move of the Spirit of God. God we'll send rain if we can return to Him. Hallelujah. And I believe there is a returning to Him, and I believe there's a returning to the new covenant, and I believe there's a returning to uh, God who is about to go on scene, and no holds barred, He's coming to rescue us. Let me move on to another chapter. All of these things, they start to breathe some things that are, are, are just concerning the new covenant. Let's go into the 11th chapter. This is another one that I think is powerful. God commanded me, this is verse 4, Zechariah 11, God commanded me, shepherd the sheep that are soon to be slaughtered. The people who buy them will butcher them for quick and easy money. Like sheep led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. What's worse, they'll get away with it. The people who sell them will say, lucky me, God's on my side. I've got it made. They have shepherds who couldn't care less about them. God's decree, I'm washing my hands of the people of this land, and from now on They're all on their own. It's dog-eat-dog, survival of the fittest, and the devil, take the hindmost, don't look for help from me. So I took over from the crass money-grubbing owners and shepherded the sheep marked for slaughter. I got myself two shepherd staffs. I named one Lovely and the other Harmony. Then I went to work shepherding the sheep. Within a month, I got rid of the corrupt shepherds. I got tired of putting up with them and they couldn't stand me. I want to tell you the Good Shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. In this latest book, and you'll see a commercial on it, The Great I Am, I talk about in that book how the corrupt shepherds of Israel, they thought they were the shepherds, but Jesus said, I'm the Good Shepherd of the sheep. And since the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me into green pastures to restore my soul. There's a new shepherd on the scene. He wants, to, he wants to restore us. He said, I, I, then I went to work shepherding the sheep, and within a month I got rid of the shepherds. I got tired of putting up with them and they couldn't stand me. Then I got tired of the sheep and said, I have had it with, with you. He's talking about old Israel here. No more shepherding from me. If you die, you die. If you're attacked, you're attacked. Whoever survives can eat what's left. Then I took staff named Lovely and broke it across my knee, breaking the beautiful covenant. I had made with all the people in one stroke, both staff and covenant were broken. The money hungry owners saw me do it and knew God was behind me. I wouldn't doubt if this isn't where Jesus enters the temple and upsets the money changers and says, You have made my house a den of thieves. The money hungry owners said, saw me do it and knew God was behind it. Then I addressed them: Pay me what you think I'm worth. And they paid me an insulting sum, counting out 30 pieces of silver. God told me, throw it in the poor box. This stingy Wade was all they thought of me and my works. So I took the 30 pieces of silver coins and threw them into the poor box in God's temple. Then I broke the other stamp, harming across my knee, breaking the concord between Judah and Israel. God then dressed up like a stupid God then said, dress up like a stupid shepherd. I'm going to install just such a shepherd in this land, a shepherd indifferent, a shepherd indifferent to victims who ignores the lost and abandons the injured and disdains decent citizens. He'll only be in it for what he can get out of it, using and abusing any and all. Doomed to you, useless shepherd, walking off and leaving the sheep. A curse on your arm, a curse on your right eye. Your arm will hang limp and useless and your right eye will go stone blind. Now I want to tell you, this is God speaking to them concerning what would happen when Jesus comes on the scene. When Jesus came on the scene, he quotes this very scripture. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He quotes this, they weighed out for me the price of my, uh, the, my price, which was 30 pieces of silver. But Zechariah prophesies concerning it and says, tell me what you'll give me to buy me out of this covenant. In other words, he took the staff of beauty, and he took the staff called harmony, and he broke them across his knees saying, I'm going to break the beautiful covenant. In other words, I am done with natural apostate Israel and all of her whoredoms and her harlotries. Jesus did that in the first century, and that covenant was broken because they paid for him a ridiculous sum and he paid for him 30 pieces of silver, and then they brought it into the treasury, and when Judas threw the money back on the floor of the temple, he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us that you see to it? And they took that money and bought the potter's field to bury strangers, and they put it in the poor box. If you can't see the fulfillment of some of these things, God was stepping out of covenant with the money-hungry temple dealers who turned his house into a den of thieves by selling and buying sacrifices and disqualifying their sacrifices and literally making it a den of thieves. He was about to destroy that temple and raise up a whole other temple. And that's where he makes the statement, destroy this temple, in three days I'm going to raise it back up again. But he wasn't talking about that physical building, he was talking about stepping out of covenant with them and those evil shepherds and replacing them with the good shepherd, the true shepherd of the sheep, the one whose name would be called the branch, the one who would make us prisoners of hope, the same one who rode upon a donkey, the colt, the foal of an ass, the same one who they had sold out and God had stepped out of covenant with these people and he was about to restore a good shepherd a true shepherd and then we can come over another chapter or so and we will see another scripture it said uh, let, let me let me come over here and uh this is chapter 12 he said next i'll deal with the family of david and those who live in jerusalem i'll pour out i'll pour a spirit of grace and prayer over them they'll then be able to recognize me as the one so grievously wounded, that piercing thrust, and they'll weep, oh how they'll weep, deep mourning as of a parent grieving the loss of the firstborn child. The lamentation in Jerusalem that day will be massive, as famous as the lamentation over Haddon Riman in the fields of Megiddo. Now they, what he's saying is, this is the fulfillment. This same scripture is spoken in the book of Revelation chapter 1, it says, they which looked upon me, They which pierce me will look upon me, and they will grieve as one who had lost their only son. But he said, I'm going to deal with the family of David and those who live in Jerusalem. I'm going to pour out the spirit of grace and supplication over them. They'll be able to recognize me as the one whom they grievously wounded. The piercing spear thrust, his side was the side that was pierced by the spear of a Roman soldier. They will look upon him. This is not in our future. This is what happened in the first century when God sent the true shepherd, when God sent the one riding upon a colt, the foal of an ass, when God sent the one who would break the old covenant because they bought him out of the covenant for 30 pieces of silver. This is the man whose name is called the branch. And it goes on to say that they would lament in Jerusalem that day like massive, uh, like the fields of Megiddo. Uh, In other words, there would be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's not talking about something in the future. It was talking about the destruction of natural Israel that occurred in A.D. 7. He said it would be like it was in the fields of Megiddo where we get our word and revelation for Armageddon. Armageddon is not in your future. It is in your past. Everyone will weep and grieve the land and everyone in it, the family of David all by itself and their women all by themselves, the family of Nathan all by itself and women by themselves, the family of Levi all by themselves and their women all by themselves, the family of Shimei all by itself and their women all by themselves, and all the rest of the families themselves, all by themselves. On the big day, Zechariah 13, a fountain will be opened for the family of David and all the leaders of Jerusalem for washing away their sins, for scrubbing their sin, and so lives clean. On that big day, on that day of the Lord, on that day, when that one's removed and this one comes on the scene, there's going to be a fountain that will be opened from the family of David. Listen, that can be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of that fountain, there's going to come a possibility, or a fountain, all the leaders of Jerusalem, for the washing away of their sins, for scrubbing their stained and soiled lives clean on the big day. This is God of the angel army speaking. I'll wipe out of the out the store bought gods. I'll erase the narrow names from memory. People forget they even heard of them. They'll get. I'll get rid of the prophets who polluted the air with their diseased words. If anyone dares persist in spreading disease, polluting words, his very own parents will step in and say, "That is it. You're finished. Your lies about God put everybody in danger," and then they'll stab him to death. The very act of prophesying lies about God. I'm going to tell you, I believe God is going to restore some prophets that aren't taking you back to religion, back to the false gods, as you could see, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. In those days, the lying prophets are going to be, uh, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be destroyed and, and dissolved. He goes on to say in verse num- number 7, sword "...get moving against my shepherd, against my close associate, decree of God, the angel armies, kill the shepherd, scatter the sheep." the back of my hand against even the lambs. All across the country, God's decree, two-thirds will be devastated, one-third survive. I will deliver the surviving third to the refiner's fire. I'll refine them as silver is refined and test them for purity as gold is tested. They'll pray in my name and I'll answer them and I'll say, that's my people and I'm their God. Go on to the next chapter, chapter 14 Note well, God's judgment day is on the way. Plunder will be piled up to the heavens and handed out, but then God will march out against the godless nations and fight a great war. That's the day He'll take a stand on the Mount of Olives, facing Jerusalem from the east. The Mount of Olives will be split right down the middle from the east to the west, leaving a wide valley, and half the mountain will shift toward the east, or toward the north, and half towards the south. Then you'll run for your lives in the valley. You'll escape the route, and that will take you to Azel. and you'll run for your lives just as you ran the day of the earthquake's and the day when uh, King Uzziah, then my God, will arrive with all of His holy angels. What a day will be! Fresh flowing rivers out of Jerusalem, half to the Eastern Sea, half to the Western Sea. God will be king over all the earth, and one God only. And what day that will be? The land will be stretched spacious around Jerusalem, and Geba, and in the north, and Rimen Tower, and uh, commanding city gates from Benjamin on down. Uh, and uh, the New Jerusalem will be full of winery ringing, the city full of never again will Jerusalem be totally destroyed from now on. It's going to be a safe city. There is so much that could be said here, but I'm going to tell you that God is restoring us. There's a river flowing out of this new city. There's a river flowing out of New Jerusalem, and perhaps when we come back we'll talk about that New Jerusalem. God bless you. If you'd like to sow into this ministry, call the number on the screen or go to our website. The the link is there. You can give via credit card or PayPal. You can also send check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen. We do need your help, and it is what helps us take the gospel around the world. God bless you, and thank you for joining us again this week.